Many of you know the song Amazing Grace. In the middle of that song, it says, I once was blind, but now I see. Now, is it possible to be a person of God and still be blind? Well, let's find out. We are entering to Luke chapter 23 today. There are 24 chapters in the entire book of Luke, so we're almost there. For those of you who've been with us since the very beginning, thanks for hanging in there. So today, let's look at the first 16 verses of that chapter, and this is how it starts. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. The whole assembly here is referring to the religious rulers. These are the people who call themselves the people of God. Now there's another character that's mentioned here. His name is Pilate. We know him as Pontius Pilate, who is the governor of the southern parts of Israel. And in that southern part of Israel is a city called Jerusalem, which is where this story takes place. Now Pilate got this job through the Caesar of Rome, who was the most powerful person at that time. Now Caesar, he's so busy taking over the world, he wanted to make sure that the land that he's already taken over was well maintained and that peace remained there. So no insurrections, no rebellions. To Caesar, no news is good news. So Pilate's job was to make sure that everybody had a little bit of fear in them and that they were happy enough that they wouldn't cause an uprising. All right, let's move on to verse two. And they, that's the religious rulers, began to accuse him saying, we have found this man, they're talking about Jesus, subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. Now, if you've been following us, you know that these religious rulers do not like Jesus. They're trying to pin him with any kind of crime that they can think of. So when they approached Pilate, they were looking for the crimes that would offend them the most. And so they come up with three. Number one is that, hey, Jesus, he's been trying to subvert this nation. That means Jesus is trying to reshape the nation in a way that you wouldn't like, Pilate. The second crime they try to pin on Jesus is that he refuses to pay taxes, which we know is not true because just a few verses ago, Jesus gives a teaching about how we should all pay taxes to Caesar. And the third thing they pin on Jesus is the biggest one. Jesus claims to be the Messiah, which is king. And if you know history, you know that a lot of uprisings and rebellions and insurrections begin with a group of people thinking that the current person in power isn't good enough, so we want a new king. So, so far, we know that these religious rulers are extremely desperate. They're trying to get Jesus in trouble. Now, why is that? Well, it's because these religious rulers want Jesus dead. And back then, because Rome t took over their land, they're not allowed to execute anybody. So these religious rulers have to get permission from Pilate to execute Jesus. So now Pilate has to do some investigating on his own. So he asked Jesus in verse three, are you the king of the Jews? Well, you have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priest and to the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. Okay, we have to pause here and appreciate the kind of situation that Pilate's in right here. Of all the gospel writers, Luke seems to portray Pilate as an afflicted governor. You see, first, on one hand, he has a group of Jewish leaders. These people have a lot of influence over the Jewish nation, and not to mention, this is Passover. A lot of people from outside of Jerusalem is now coming in, so Pilate has to be extremely cautious in how he deals with these religious rulers. It could be the thing that incites a rebellion. But on the other hand, Pilate probably heard the rumor that when Jesus walked into Jerusalem five days ago, there's a big crowd of people who are singing Hosanna and laying down their palm branches. So he knows that if he mistreats Jesus or gives him an unfair trial, then there's gonna be another group of people who, are, who just might rise up and cause an insurrection. So if you're a pilot, what would you do? If you lean a little too much to one side, you've risked having a big rebellion. 
So Pilate, he wants to know how serious the situation is. So he kind of leans in and tests the waters. He says, you know this Jesus guy just turned in? I don't see anything wrong with them. And then the Jewish rulers, they push back. Next verse. But they insisted, he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. So these religious rulers, they're trying to make a bigger case now. He says, Pilate, you rule the southern part of Israel. Well, this guy is from the north, a place called Galilee. And for the last few chapters of the book of Luke, he's been traveling from Galilee to Jerusalem, gathering supporters and followers. And now he's here to wreak havoc. You see, these religious rulers are trying to paint Jesus like he's an invader, an intruder from the north. It's like, this is how serious this is, governor. But there's a twist in this story. When he, Pilate, learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, Herod is the governor of northern Israel, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now, this was an out for Pilate. He said, oh, your guy is from the northern part of Israel? Well, that's not my territory, so we'll let the guy who's in charge of Galilee take care of Jesus. And what a coincidence. Herod is here in town in Jerusalem because of Passover. You could just take him over there right now. And whatever Herod's conclusion is about Jesus, I'll go along with that. This is his way of washing his hands clean. Okay, so let's see what happens next. Verse 8. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. Now, this is a big slap in the face of the religious rulers. You see, they were hoping that the reputation of Jesus has reached Herod, and the reputation is that he's been causing trouble in town. But instead, the reputation that he heard about Jesus was the fact that he was a miracle worker. So, verse 10, the chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. So now these religious rulers, they're trying to convince Herod of the same thing they were trying to convince Pilate. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. So because one of the accusations that people have on Jesus is that he claimed to be king, they decided to put on a robe on him to make him look like a king, basically mocking him and sent him back to Pilate. You know, as a joke. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Apparently, Pilate got the joke. This is basically Herod's way of saying, Pilate, whatever you decide to do, I'll be behind you 100%. And so for the first time, these two guys, they agreed on something, and that's why they became friends. So if you're a religious ruler in Israel right now, you are getting super frustrated. Let's read on. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he has sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. So basically he's saying, I saw nothing wrong with him. Herod saw nothing wrong with him. So we're going to let him go. And you could just imagine the religious rulers are starting to get really angry. And as Pilate looks at the eyes of these religious rulers, he's realizing that this might lead to a big rebellion. So next verse. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. That means, hey, just to appease you, I'm going to mess with him a little bit and then I'm going to let him go. That way, everybody's happy. He'll get hurt, which makes you happy, and I'll let him go, which makes the other people happy. Now, if you're catching the series like halfway through, you probably are wondering, what did Jesus do that made these religious people so angry? I mean, these guys seem to go the extra mile just to make sure that Jesus gets the death penalty. What did he do? Well, throughout this biography of Jesus, Luke depicts Jesus as somebody who, well, every time he speaks, he's taking away some of the comfort, some of the privilege, some of the 
the exclusive dining privileges that these religious people had. And every time they attacked Jesus, it seems like their public image would go down a few notches. Jesus, through his examples and his parables, was always reminding them that while they were really good at following commands and rules of the Old Testament, they were not good at being a human being. They had forgotten how to look at people who were different than them as people who were bearing the image of God. So from the perspective of the poor and the people who were disenfranchised and the people who were pushed to the margins, when they saw Jesus in his teachings, they saw hope. But when the religious rulers heard Jesus speaking, they only heard threat. They saw their privileges slipping through their fingers. And so what we learn is that these people, they wanted Jesus executed because they wanted to maintain their current lifestyle. They wanted to live in a world where people who could follow God's commandments, well, they were praised and rewarded while everybody else was pushed down and punished. So they saw the world as people who were blind and they saw themselves as the people who can see. But the little details that Luke sprinkles throughout this story is really interesting. For example, we see that Pilate and Herod, they both don't see anything wrong with Jesus. As people who are really good at following laws, these religious rulers should have been like, oh, this is Deuteronomy 19.15. There it says, if you want to accuse somebody of wrongdoing, you need at least two witnesses. But in this case, we have two witnesses who testify against what the religious rulers are hoping to hear. And if you paid attention at some of the things that they were accusing Jesus of doing, he says that he was inciting rebellion. But if you were to look carefully to see who was actually inciting a rebellion, you'll discover that it was the religious rulers. They also say that Jesus was trying to subvert the nation, twist and change the nation so it doesn't look like the way it's supposed to. When in reality, Jesus was the only one that was trying to make the nation what it was supposed to be. And you know that claim about Jesus being a Messiah? If you read through the entire book of Luke, you'll discover that every time somebody gets a hint as to maybe Jesus is the real Messiah, Jesus tells them, shh, be quiet, don't tell anybody. He wasn't the one that was spreading the news that Jesus was Messiah. Yeah, actually the ones who were doing that were the religious rulers. So in all accounts, Jesus is innocent and actually the religious rulers are the ones that should be guilty. So if they were just to take a moment, just like one moment to look in the mirror or to self-reflect, they would see that they were actually the ones that were blind and the ones who were the authorities at the time, Pontius Pilate and Herod, they were the ones who were actually seeing clearly. In this story, the people of God were the ones who got it wrong. In other words, just because you claim to be on God's side does not make you immune from being blind. See, the anger inside of us, the hatred, the desire to control our surroundings can make us equally blind as somebody who claims to not follow God. Now, scholars have studied this text many, many times, and they're always caught by this really interesting fact that the way that Luke tells the story, tells it in a way that includes the reader into the story. If you were to read this text in its original language, you would see yourself in the shoes of these religious people. In other words, what Luke is trying to do here is saying, you people who are followers of God need to be careful. I know you weren't there physically when this trial was happening, but if you were to be there, you'd be doing the exact same things as these religious rulers. Luke is telling us, it's time that we look in the mirror to see how blind we actually are. So church, may we ask God to search deep within our hearts and see that there's any offensive way in us. And may God give us the eyes to see the image of God in every single person, especially in our enemies. And may we all experience heaven together. God bless.